This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Angel Garza, superstar from WWE, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast to the most fresh news of the wrestling. So keep listening and just remember one thing. El Latino está en la casa, baby. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. I'm back! (laughs) (laughs) But if this is your first time listening to the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 243. My name is Nick Howell. And preparing for the horror show at Extreme Rules, which is reportedly so named because it will be three hours of footage of John Tenta's sweaty man taint, I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and welcome to Busted <laughs> Wide Open. There's a mental image for you. That one's actually for JB. I know that's she's probably somewhere hurting because of that. And thank you to JB for sitting in while Nick was out the last couple shows that we had. So shout out to JB if you guys joined us last time. You did hear JB on the show, and if you didn't join us last time, go listen. But if you're here now, welcome back, Nick. How was your 4th of July vacation? How are you doing today, sir? It, it was fantastic. I mean, yes, she did all right. It's, it's Good job, JB. <laughs> she did all right. Wow. I'm going to sick her on you, man. She'll take you down, put you in an I'm arm bar, kidding. tap you out. Tap you <laughs> Thank out. you very much, JB, for absolutely doing a fantastic job with Surrey and Dangerous, filling in for me while I was out. As you guys might can tell, I'm shedding a little bit because I was an idiot and didn't put sunscreen on my forehead enough times why would you do that <sighs> there's no like there's no ozone layer left you're gonna got, get skin cancer got a little bit of the miller light in me got got the miller <laughs> light tan i forgot all about the, the sunburn oh my god well we're not here to talk about your peeling skin we're here to talk about the wrestling and that means we got to talk about monday night raw which happened last night but we can't get into that yet nick yep. nor can we get into new japan and the fact that we're heading towards the finals of the new japan cup we got to talk about that today too but we can't do that either because we have to do some housekeeping first, and then we can get in to the meat of the show. Yes, guys, come over and join us in our Discord community. That is the place to be. Live chats all throughout the week. Throwback chats with Mr. Andy Jessup, one of our awesome moderators uh, in both Discord and Facebook. Thank you, sir. Uh, love that you guys are do- enjoying all that and interacting, uh, doing that kind of stuff as well. But we have dedicated channels for pay-per-views, all kinds of lifestyle stuff. Come over and get into the Discord. It's a lot of fun, a lot of place to be. Uh, we also have have a Facebook group and page you can go over and uh, post some stuff in. 
We've also got Twitter and Instagram that you can also like some stuff that we post on at BWO Podcast. Uh, and if you'd like to make sure that you get all of the live streams every episode of BWO Daily, make sure you're subscribed right here at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Make sure you click that subscribe button and jingle that bell. Make sure it says all on your notifications so that you don't miss a single episode. Uh, but mm-hmm. make sure you're subscribed because we've got some other stuff we want to do with that thing. I hope you guys are really enjoying BWO Daily. Sorry we missed last week. I had to take a few days off. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. we've been back the last couple of days with some hot news for you guys, such as the potential of SummerSlam getting canceled. Also, one correction real quick on BWO Daily, just to get it out of the way. We were saying it, Brooklyn. It's not going to be in Brooklyn. It's actually Boston. It was Boston. I said the Boston mayor. I don't know why I said right. Brooklyn. Right. Yeah, so. Just, yeah. It, we, meant we meant Boston. We meant Boston. Boston. Supposed to be in Boston, not yes. Barclays. I yes. said the Boston mayor. Yeah. Yeah. But last but certainly not least, thank you to all of our patrons, our phenomenal ones. You guys rock. Thank you guys for all your support every single month. If you'd like to get in on some exclusives, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those reward tiers over there to get access to show notes, bonus episodes, Skype calls, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, but you can only do it if you head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for one of those tiers. As well as the aforementioned SummerSlam, Mr. Robbie RB, our current defending undisputed champion from WrestleMania for the BWO patron pickums challenge will be defending his title for the very first time at yeah. SummerSlam. So make sure you get in at, you just got to be in that $5 tier or higher. It's up to you. You want some bonus episodes? You want a Skype call? Cool. Uh, other than that, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube here. So you get BWO daily every single day. Ian, we got a ton of wrestling to get to. I'm excited to be back. It feels good to be back in the chair and on the mic. I hope you guys are ready to go along with us because we're going to go break down Monday Night Raw. It's certainly uh, it's, it's a lot more hair on the other side of the mic than what I'm used to, Nick. Uh, I, I'm used to having JB in here, and now I've got you with your gigantic beard back. Yeah. So it's a it's a bit of a shift, and so I'm, I'm getting back used to it myself. But also JB homework assignment. To. I'm going to need you to go get one of those fake beards that you can hang over your ears, kind of like a mask. I haven't seen a mask yet that's a fake beard. I think I thought that would be a really cool novelty idea. Maybe I'll go I, make I, that. I, I can say as someone who's seen JB in person that uh, her with a beard would be a very, very disturbing sight indeed. So I'm actually going to advocate against that. What I'm not going to advocate against is the fact that the women's division in WWE right now has pretty much taken over and is the main draw on their shows. And I'm not mad at it because this week we actually saw more coming out of the Bailey and Sasha and Asuka feud. Uh, and Nikki Cross was involved. The fact that we've got Sasha versus Nikki uh, excuse me, Sasha versus Asuka and Bailey versus Nikki coming up at the upcoming Extreme Rules, the horror show or the horror show at Extreme Rules or whatever they want to call it because everyone was calling it a different name on Raw. It's a horror show. That's all. The, it's, it's a horror show. It's Extreme Rules. Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. I thought horror show was supposed to happen in October, but hey, it's WWE. Hashtag WWE logic. And here we are. But we'll get more into that logic later because there was definitely some questionable matches made at that pay-per-view. Uh, but we are promoting these women's matches, and we're doing that by actually having a lot of moving parts. We had uh, we had Asuka come out to face down against Sasha and Bailey, who were in the ring, doing their typical obnoxious heel shtick. Mm. And uh, Asuka came out and they and said, "Oh wait, but I'm not alone. She also had." Kyrie Sane, a returning Kyrie Sane with her head all stapled up, 
She came back as well and ended up having a match with Sasha Banks, which she actually ended up winning because Bailey at the end interfered when it looked like Kyrie was going to tap out Sasha. And uh, we had a whole scrum. And then later on in the show, we had a match between Asuka and Bailey, which was the main event of the show. And we had Nikki Cross starting out on commentary until she got so riled up because Bailey got in her face and Sasha got in her face. She got so riled up, she was carried out of the building only to reappear at the end of the match behind the plexiglass and spook Bailey so bad she fell into an Asuka lock, which Asuka then pulled out of, rolled her up, sat on her, and got the one, two, three for the win. Um, I got to say this right now. I, I really abbreviated a lot of that stuff. Yep. Both the Kyrie Sane and Sasha match and the Asuka and Bailey match, especially the Asuka Bailey match, were lights out, awesome wrestling matches. That main event was hot fire. And even yep. if you're down on WWE, if you just watched that match, you'd have a hard time saying that wasn't a damn good wrestling match, even with the fudge finish. Yeah, both of them. DQ. One was a DQ for Bailey, uh, and then of course we get the the giant Hojo L flying elbow off the top rope, off to the outside the ring, massive. Yeah. And yeah. then the the one at the end was off the distraction. So yeah, they're they're both not clean finishes, but I I think that's what it needed at going into a pay per view ten days from now or whenever it's going to be. Um, so yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved both of these matches. I have nothing ill to say about any of them. And I've traditionally been down on Bailey and, and, I, and I, I thought this was magnificent. The, that was one of the best Bailey matches I've seen in months, perhaps years. It Agreed. was like, she, she was out there with lots of energy. Uh, she was running her mouth constantly when she wasn't fighting. She was at the announce table, jaw jacking. Uh, she always has seemed to have something to do and, when she was getting beat up, she was selling great as well. And it wasn't just because she was selling great. It's because Asuka was also sometimes actually hitting her. Yes. At one point, she kneed her in the face on the outside. Another time, Bailey took a back fist from Asuka close to the end of the match that legit connected. And I knocked her silly for a couple of seconds to the point where Asuka actually had to stop and kind of slow down and then even check with Bailey. You even saw Asuka kind of nod at Bailey, like, are you ready to start again? Uh, they kind of killed the momentum of the match for a hot second, but props to Bailey for taking that and keeping on going because you got, I mean, that was a tough hit. Yeah. So uh, both matches all around really great. And also because when you compare it to some of the matches that Oscar had with Charlotte, where it felt a little bit one sided, the pace was not as, as intense as it was in these matches. Uh, you, you kind of felt like Char like Oscar was always fighting upwards against Charlotte. Both of these matches felt evenly matched. It went back and forth. There was actually a flow to the matches where both women had moments uh, running the match, and it was fantastic. As a result, it made Bailey look like she could actually stand up to Asuka, but at the same time, both women could, at any point, lose or win the match. Yeah. And it made it that much more exciting. Again, the pace helped as well. So both of these matches, I felt, were great examples of how to make both women in the match look strong. Even Kyrie Sane, who I was worried they were going to try to uh, not bury again, but but make look inferior to Sasha, she had some great comebacks as well. Yeah. All around, this was a great way to make them all four look great and remind us that Nikki's still out there, Alexa's still out there, and and play into Nikki's character of being unhinged. You know, having her uh, at the commentary desk, being crazy, having to be held back by Samoa Joe, who was a little freaked out by her, having her carried off by security, having her show up again in the crowd and be manic and, and insane. 
all of that was a great way to sell all of these characters and all of these wrestlers. Yep. So props where props are due. Yep. Couple of super chats I got to get to real quick. Brad Shepard with five bucks says for Nick on his well deserved vacation yeah. and having JB cover for him. Thank you very much. <laughs> Not Thank ringside you. news, Brad Shepard. I appreciate it. Yeah, good that. Brad Shepard. Good yes. Brad Shepard. Also, Kyle at Line Drive with five bucks in the super chat says the raw main event, aka Oscar feeding Bailey her teeth with <laughs> knees, kicks, and punches. <laughs> No kidding. Yes, well done. <laughs> One more I got to get to real quick. Uh, happened while we were offline, but Nick Guard 1 did just make the delivery. Oh. Josh Sullivan. Josh Sullivan made an order of a Put It In My Eye Holes t-shirt featuring Sir Ian Dangerous. Yeah. Thank you very much, Josh. And congrats and welcome. Or uh, I sh- Thank you very much for, uh, you. for buying the shirt. Enjoy. Uh, be sure and post a picture in the group or in Discord when you get uh, yeah. when you get it. We'd love we love to see yeah. that kind of stuff from you yeah. guys. So thank yeah. you everybody for kicking us off strong. Amen. Uh, overall, I I completely echo every sentiment you just had about how all of this has come together with Nikki being nuts again and Alexa sort of waiting in the wings as a, as a threat potentially for the tag sure. championships. Whilst you're also having women's SmackDown title uh, potential contenders lining up, there, there's other there's so much stuff going on here, and it's being so brilliantly executed uh, that I just, I loved it. And I'm saying this admittedly yes. as someone who has not been on board with the Bailey Hill turn from the beginning. It's it's uh, you, finally it, getting off there and on, for me. off and on. Yeah, she's kind of gotten away from the sullen Karen thing, and now she's actually just she's being a brat. She's being obnoxious. Yep insufferable as we said last week it's it's a lot more entertaining and that's one of the things i wanted to point out is that it's not like a whole lot of the stuff has a lot of forward motion there's a lot of having all of the individual parts kind of bounce off of each other one after the other without you know coming to any new it, it's a typical wwe pattern where nothing really happens till a pay-per-view fine but it's all staying entertaining because all of the individual moving parts are being wildly entertaining in in the parts that they're given. Nikki's entertaining. Sasha's entertaining. Bailey's being entertaining. Asuka, of course, entertaining. Having Kyrie back is great. And then having Kyrie bring out the recorder again uh, in the backstage segment before Asuka's match and actually playing their tune right. I couldn't tell if it was actually dubbed over, <laughs> but but <laughs> she I think she was playing actually playing it. She might have actually been playing. You it. can it's hear like, a couple of slip. You know when you when you play guitar every now and then you'll get a string squeak or something like that. And, but you yeah, still hear. But I still, there were a couple of squeaks there in, in the record. So I think she was playing it live. Also, uh, on I'm, that note, <laughs> pun intended. Um, on that note, I had forgotten what an absolute banger that song is, and why in the hell did it take six months after forming them of the back and forth between their themes to get to that song? Uh, because CFO smokes. dollar sign was they stopped working for WWE, so they didn't really have anybody to do songs at the time, from what I understand. So it did it's take so a little good. while, but it is really good, and and it's nice to hear it again. And it looks like we'll be hearing it next week because now we have a tag match between Oscar and Kyrie and Bailey and Sasha. So another element that they're adding to this is that it's not just singles matches; it's not just the champs being involved. Here. There's a lot of belts floating around on Bailey and Sasha and Oscar. You also the tag belts involved, and you've got. You have a whole bunch of teams as well. It's not just singles. They can also operate as tag teams. Kyrie and Oscar are a tag team. Bailey and Sasha are a tag team. Uh, Nikki and Alexa are a tag team. And there's Iconics other ones tag are getting teams involved. Iconics are hanging out still. And we have the tease of another tag team that we're going to get to a little bit later on. So there's a lot of other elements. There's another, another layer going on as well. So commendations for that, for keeping things 
a little bit uh, uh, unpredictable in terms of what kind of matches you're going to get without having a whole lot of forward movement in terms of the storylines. So that's actually, I, 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 you know, obviously WWE is a very specific kind of program and booking, and you're not going to get the kind of you know in-depth, very serious stories you get on like a, a New Japan or something like right. that. But um, when you have something like this where there's a, a certain pace you expect from WWE, but they're able to fill that time with this many entertaining ingredients it actually makes it a pleasure to watch and that yeah. was the case this monday where you had you know one sixth of the, sh of the show was taken up by all of this and it was a wonderful one sixth there wasn't there wasn't a bad segment out of out of it all um yeah they gave they gave bailey and uh, and oscar like almost 30 minutes uh it was like 20 it was like a low 20s but yeah it was it was a it was a long it was a long match it was the main event, and it, it lived up to it. Um, one thing I thought was interesting, there's actually two questions I have here okay. uh, on my mind. One is uh, there's a bit of, I don't want to call it heat, it's wrestling, it's kayfabe, but Booker T on his podcast was talking about Sasha and Bailey, and they've been going around saying we're the best tag team of all time, haha. -ha. Um, and Booker T was kind of giving his thoughts on Bailey. He said, you know what, Bailey is good at a lot of things. In fact, most things. She's really good. She's not great at anything. And that was, his, that was his critique of her. To which Sasha shot back, well, we're a better tag team than Harlem Heat ever was, so there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you think about Booker's assessment of Bailey, and do you think that that's something that she's going to take and have that motivate her, or is that something that there's anything that she can do about that? I think we're seeing an evolution of her heel character, and, and I, I, you know, much like I saw, I, I compare it a lot to how I felt about Britt Baker over in AEW. I didn't really the the heel turn starting on Jericho's cruise ship, making fun of Shivani, didn't really connect, and a lot of people were kind of eh about it. But it's evolved to the point to where now I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of Dynamite every single week. Bailey. Hadn't quite got to that level with me yet, but it's it was a, it's been a similar journey for the last six months as we've as we've been on this ride. So as far as what Booker T has to say, I'm I'm not sure that's going to directly affect her portrayal. I I know Dog Ziggler. I listen. He's I, I'm, he's I'm hyped about this. I'm getting to my point. I, I okay. promise. He's he's telling me to to wrap it up. <laughs> My point is, is that Bailey is growing on me slowly but surely, and I think that's one of the best ways to build a heel character is to allow the slow build of it. Because if you punch everybody right in the mouth right from the gate, it's it's going to have that sort of fall off over time. But if you slow burn it, it's going to build into something even bigger. And I, th I I I didn't recognize that at first, but I commend them. Bailey has fully come around on me as an absolute awesome heel. Well, you see, what Dog Ziggler was trying to say there, and, and obviously I know you don't speak Pitbull, but what he was saying was that Bailey actually has, I think, gotten more comfortable in her heel character. She's gone, she's, she's found an evolution of it where she's, you know what it reminds me of, uh, uh, and thank you for telling me this, Dog Ziggler, he actually brought up The Miz, and obviously mm. The Miz and Ziggler go way back. Another good one. The, the Miz actually evolved his heel character where he wasn't, he was fine at first, but he wasn't exactly like jumping through your TV screen. And then he just, he hit a point. And some say it's around the Daniel Bryan promo on Talking Smack. Some say it was before then, where he just got it. He got what he was as a heel and just played it to a T and became one of the greatest heels in WWE. And I feel like Bailey's kind of there as well, 
where she has the, uh, the possibility of achieving greatness in her heel character by understanding what her strengths are as a heel and what she can bring to the table and the energy that, that is required for it. One of the things we were critiquing was that she didn't have any energy behind her heel character before. Now there's energy to spare, and it's coming through the TV more. So I don't know if someone coached her or she figured it out on her own, but it's working. So, I'm wondering if it's an interaction thing with either Asuka or having Sasha there constantly because when she just came out by herself before Sasha's you know, big return, I've, it was just beating down the Bailey buddies and she was coming out, like you said before, as kind of a whiny Karen and you know nobody really connected with it. But well, having yeah, all of the of little sullen. things to bounce off of, yeah, I think is, is made a, a big deal, big help for her, sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully she can prove Booker wrong at some point, but time will tell. Time will also tell what happens with Kyrie Sane because we actually, as we reported uh, on BWO Daily this last week, I think, uh, Kyrie's on her way out of WWE from all reports. Uh, she's supposed to have programs through SummerSlam, and then she's done and heading back to Japan and possibly even going to retire. That's the report. Also, there are reports out that they're trying to lure her back with more money and say, stick around. So the jury may still be out on Kyrie and the way that they're utilizing her right now. Who knows? This could be her kind of last run and they're giving her a last hurrah. Or it could be them saying, look, if you stick around, look what we're going to do for you. We'll put you in some matches, make you look competitive. So the real question is, what is the future for Kyrie? Could she stick around? Uh, you know, is, is, there some, is there room for her? Will they find something for her if she does? Or is she already mentally checked out and is, is happy to be on her way out. So that's a question I had about all of this as well. And if she does still, stick around... Still doing flying feel? elbows off the top rope out to the outside. So <laughs> that's not checked out. <laughs> that's Well, I'm not saying checked out in terms of work ethic. I'm saying checked out in terms of, you know, she, she, she's like, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll come in and, and throw those high elbows because I know I've only got a couple of months left. And yeah. I can just kind of have a little bit of fun with everything and play the recorder uh, as much as I want. So... Uh, <laughs> In other, the, the show opened, Nick, in something else, speaking of people leaving the company, uh, in a bit of a surprise turn, they brought back someone who had been fired. Now, he, this gentleman is still within his 90-day no-compete clause. He has actually been uh, teased to appear at Slammiversary for Impact. So it was actually a surprise to see him, but this show started with Drew McIntyre, your WWE champion, coming out and saying, Dolph Ziggler, come on, tell me what the stipulation is going to be at our Extreme Rules match. And Dolph comes out to say, hey, man, I, this isn't Drew introduces Dolph Ziggler. This is Dolph Ziggler tells you the stipulation when Dolph Ziggler feels like telling you the stipulation. In the meantime, I want you to know that I'm not the only friend you screwed over. You also screwed over another one of your friends, and he's right here. And out comes... I'd call him Heath Slater, but the dude's packed on like 20 pounds of muscle. Here comes huge Slater out of the back, <laughs> close-cut hair, a little bit of stubble grown. He's following the 3MB, uh, like the signature 3MB thing. Go, go, go away, get jacked, grow a beard, and then come back. And out comes Heath Slater to get in Drew's face and say, hey, man, remember when you got fired and I called you every day and was like, felt really bad for you because you were my brother? Like, we've known each other since way the hell back. You know how I just got fired recently? Where were you? Why was the last time we talked on the bump, which you don't even remember, and you told me you'd give me a match, and you never did? What's up with that, Drew? Mm. This was a heavy segment. 
that was a nice little bit of tweaking that fourth wall. This was the best promo Heath Slater's ever given. Fight me. <laughs> I, Lights out. Just wow. <laughs> Even like like taking off the glasses at one point, having like you know misty eyes and everything. Yeah, no. It. What is it? What is it? Why does he have to be out the door and then come back jacked and give these good promos? Is that is that? Do you put that on Heath? Or do you put that on the company, not giving him anything to work with, and him having to, you know, he, like he even mentioned in this, it, I, 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 Mike, the whole "I got kids" thing is real. It's not the twenty-two kids that y'all think I have. It's my two daughters, and that's real. I got kids to feed, and I got fired. And where were you, Drew? Like, it was this just them not giving Heath enough to work with? What what do we attribute this to? Uh, between the firings and the outbreak, I think they might have been up against a wall and were looking for content. But uh, no, I mean in terms of Heath, like what? Where oh. did this come from? Why uh, didn't he get? Why wasn't he able to do this before? Was it just they, they? He had to get a fire lit under his ass. He'd been beaten down for so long. No, I feel like coming out of three MB and then the, throughout the last decade, he's mostly been sort of that kind of goofy guy. Was never really taken seriously. I kind of, I kind of, he never really, I want almost want to say he was kind of like a Jeff Jarrett, but he never got the serious push. It's just being goofy and coming out and doing, wearing hot pants and crazy but stuff. But is that, is that his fault for no, never, I don't think it is. like, never getting this kind of, like, he, we, he wasn't in this kind of shape ever. Do you know what I mean? Like, why well, getting do fired we feel, will motivate the F out of you. So. That's what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. is, you know, is this, do we put that at Heath's feet? Like, you should have stayed this motivated. I obviously, that's easy for me to say sitting on the sidelines and not getting ground down for years and years and years of WWE catering gigs. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, but it's something that it's, it's fascinating to see is he coming back and looking just jacked, ended up having this match with Drew McIntyre when, you know, Drew's like, I don't want to fight you, dude. And he pushes him and Drew says, look, I still don't want to fight you. He slaps him in the face and goes, how about now? <laughs> and Drew's like, all right, we're having a match. Here's the other thing though. This would have driven home an emotional point so much more if Heath had been given a moment to really just wail on Drew. Like, Drew didn't want to fight him in this match. Drew backing off, begging off, not wanting to lay him out. Heath getting in some shots, and then Drew just getting so pissed off or just losing control and Claymoring Heath later to shit. What we got was the bell rings, Claymore, one, two, three, Heath's down, and continues to look like a joke and gets buried. That's a, that's a burial ladies and gentlemen, right there on your yep. way out the door. Uh, and then Dolph Ziggler gets in the ring as Drew leaves to yell at Heath. Heath gets in his face, and Dolph Ziggler beats him down as well until Drew comes back to save him, and they hug and raise their hands and all as well and throw up the 3MB sign. That is, they gave Heath the ability to go out there and literally bow out of WWE. He and Drew literally had a little, a little like curtain call bow. They gave Heath that, but they made him look like a joke in the ring on the way out, and that bothered me because you had the ability to have a more emotional send-off and a more emotional event in the match, and that would have driven home more the point of this segment, which wasn't to say bye, goodbye to Heath. It wasn't to show that Drew has done some things wrong in his life. It was to show that Dolph Ziggler is getting into Drew's head and that he manipulated this to create this, this questioning in Drew's mind of Dolph Ziggler and his motivations. You're trying to show something in a story perspective, and one of the things that would help that is by giving Heath 
a little bit of fire, a little bit of heat here. You don't give him any of that. You turn him into a goon and send him out packing on his back embarrassingly. And that doesn't help your story. It doesn't help your feud. It doesn't help your program. And it doesn't help Heath. And it doesn't help Drew or Dolph. See, I don't know. I think uh, if he's one, he's fired. He's he's already gone. It, there's an opportunity, sure. maybe that he could be rehired one day. Maybe who knows? Sure. But Heath came out, looked like a million bucks, gave arguably the best promo of his entire career, and got in the ring and had a champ WWE Championship match. If that's not a resume for me to take over to another place and go, look at what I did. Look at what I'm capable of. Not only can I be a good hand, not only can I run a faction, not I can also stand next to the toe-to-toe to open Monday Night Raw with the WWE champion and, and have a promo with him and, and call back on history and all of this. I think it was a resume-building event for Heath Slater. I, and it I, had I to hope be. he gets a job off and the back it, of it. It felt to me like what was... I mean, again, no idea what was written on the card in the back and, and what they actually... you know How the creative went about this creating this segment, but it felt to me like they said, Heath, go out there, cut a promo about how Drew did you wrong, and then you're going to get murdered in this match, and then Drew come down and save him, and you guys you say bye to each other, and that's that. And they made Heath look as good as possible under the circumstances, even though they were being told, bury Heath. Yeah. Because as is men- being mentioned in the chat right now, um, it's the WWE way. If someone's leaving the company, they can't even get a lick on on your superstars. Bury them on the way out so they're, they're worth less to other companies, which is, uh, by the way, that's that is an old-school WWE mentality, and in the modern day and age, that's a bullshit mentality. Yeah. And it's, it was rhetorical of me to say all that earlier because, yes, I know that's WWE's way. They even were doing it with Dean Ambrose on his way out. Hey, lose to Nia Jax. You know, look yeah. like a complete goober on your way out the door. <laughs> um and I know that everyone's going to come at me and be like, "It's just business. It's, it's, it's petty, is what it is." I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to stop myself using an f bomb because yeah. it, it really, it actually drives me nuts. It's petty, and it shoots your, when it shoots yourself in the foot. WWE could actually have done something that helped them with Heath on the way out. You could argue that, yeah, you know, I'm splitting hairs here, but it, the problem is, it's something that points out a larger endemic problem where WWE would rather shoot themselves in the foot than actually give somebody anything when they're done with them. Fair enough. So that's it's it's frustrating to me to see. Now, say. if Nick were booking this, I would have had something where it looked like I was going to challenge Drew, but I actually went over and attacked Dolph and have Jinder <laughs> Mahal come out and you reform 3 and B. Oh, my God. Well, Jinder's, Jinder's injured, so I, thank I, God I, we didn't get any That doesn't stop him from coming down the ramp foil in a hat. suit. Yeah. Well, well, if this was <laughs> AEW and they actually let injured performers show up on TV, yes, that'd be the case, but... Uh, oh, Kyle with the five bucks in the super chat again. Thank you very much, sir. He says, uh, "Oh, nope." After Maverick, it's safe to say it's a Vince mentality, not a WWE mentality. See, I, just, I disagree with that because yeah, we too. don't have any we don't have any proof that Vince personally said Drake's out. Um, from what I understand, most of the layoffs were just a company decision, and it was it was actually based on other metrics beyond if you know just Vince saying yay or nay, and it's one of the reasons why. Drake was actually, he was in a feud. He was in matches when they fired him. And it's one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing, essentially. So, um, and then Drake went down to NXT and impressed enough that they were able to then um, make an argument to bring him back. So, 
at least that's what from what we understand. So it's not necessarily a Vince thing. It could actually be a company thing, which also may, might be why you had Heath come back here. I would bet money that Drew, as your champion, pulled strings to make this happen, to, to give Heath at least some sort of send-off. Yeah. It, I, would, I, would, I would put money on it. So to me, this feels more like a corporate decision and then Drew perhaps even going to Vince and saying, hey, let my boy come back on. Um, because as much as Vince is the be-all, end-all, one of the other things that we're learning from a lot of these released wrestlers that are going out there and talking, and we're probably going to learn a lot more in a couple of weeks when that 90 days is up, um, one of the things that we're learning is sometimes if you don't have a relationship with Vince, sometimes you're just there floating on the ocean and WWE does with you what it does. There's dozens of other people involved in creative that are not Vince uh, that have a say in how you're used on TV and if you know whether, whether what you're doing essentially and also how you're perceived. Um, going to Vince and having a relationship with Vince himself is the best way to get what you want on TV and that's what everyone has always said is you got to have a relationship with the old man but if you have only a sort of relationship with him or you don't stand up for yourself to him and go to him when you're really angry at what you have to do it's very easy to just kind of get swept along on the tides yeah and that seems to be what happened with Heath at a certain point he's even said he's like I gave up I was like just give me whatever I'll be here whatever mm. so yeah mm. uh, it is what it is, but I just feel like they could have done more at this segment, Nick. Um, I just honestly have yet to find a way to give a single shit about Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre. That's did, my problem. And Dolph ended up, because they didn't really do a whole lot with, with, with Heath here, it made him look like kind of a dweeb. Like It started off, make, he, he looked like he was masterminding a way to get in Drew's head, but it all kind of fell apart. Then why attack him at the end? Right. Like, what, what, I mean, why attack? What was he supposed to do, Dolph? Like, it just seemed like another screwy, stupid plan at the end. Also, so again, we kind like of live in this fantasy world where somebody that has been fired can come back in and immediately uh, get a WWE championship opportunity. That, well, that, this was... I'm not even going to go there from hey, a w, this, hashtag this, WWE logic perspective. No, no, hold on. <laughs> this, this From a story standpoint, it made all the sense in the world. You know, your brother know. comes in. Come on. I man. get it. I, right. I'm just saying... <laughs> well, speaking of ludicrous stories, we have to go talk about Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio because this took a turn this week, uh, to put it mildly. Kevin Owens was having the KO show again. He had Seth Rollins on and pretty much made it clear from the beginning that he didn't like Seth and was probably going to get into some sort of physical altercation with him at some point because he threw all the chairs out of the ring and was like, yep, you guys all kind of know how this is going to go. And Seth got into the ring. Uh, this was a really... I, I loved the... The, the dialogue here, and, and I, we've been kind of down on the, the, a lot of the verbiage coming out of Seth recently. It seemed very repetitive. His, his uh, delivery is outstanding, and it was outstanding here again, but just what he's been saying has been kind of repetitive. This was, I thought, much more interesting, was Seth trying to convince Kevin to give up their past grievances and join him, and to do it in this really just supercilious and pandering and kind of just uh, greasy way that just underlined what a slime ball he is these days and was fantastic. And before Kevin Owens could give a response to it, Rey Mysterio comes out with Dominic. And earlier in the show, we'd found out that Aleister Black had been taken out backstage, allegedly by Seth Rollins. 
and we end up having Ray Mysterio. He was right there. What do you mean allegedly? He just he stood there and goes, well, that sucks. (laughs) One down, one one to go. And everyone's like, oh, who did it? We have no idea. Who beat up Aleister Black? Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, speaking of WWE logic, (laughs) but we end up with Kevin Owens and Ray Mysterio versus Murphy and Seth Rollins. Another fun match, another well-worked match, lots of moving parts. Seth out trying to get Dominic to punch him in the face. When Dominic won't, he rakes him in the eyes. Lots of eye stuff in this match. Lots of grabbing at people's eyes and everything. And at the end, Alistair comes out uh, to try and get revenge on Seth, who's taken Dominic hostage. Seth says, go ahead and hit me. And as he and Alistair are trying to figure out if Alistair's going to hit him or not, Ray gets Murphy back into the ring. Ray, uh, Murphy, of course, having his eyes gouged by... I think it was Dominic. It was Dominic, yeah. And uh, and then Ray gives a six one nine to Murphy one two three, and uh, Ray gets to. We pick also the got the five star frog splash out of Ray. That and was absolutely uh, with Dominic uh, ringside. I was just going. Oh, <laughs> oh for crying out loud! Uh, Dominic is is Ray's son. Leave it alone, Nick. Uh, let it go. It was fifteen years ago, man. No! I will never end this crusade. Dominic has dark hair now, okay? He's a different man. <laughs> He's uh, six foot five. That's not that's not from the genes of Ray Mysterio. <laughs> maybe Ray's wife has giant genes on her side of the family, and Ray's genes are recessive. Did you never take biology in high school, Nick? Come yes. on. Yes. It's not how it works. Anyway, okay. the point the point being, Ray gets to choose the match extreme rules. And what does he choose? He chooses Ojo por Ojo. Eye for an eye. Meaning, and this has been clarified by WWE since. At the time, everyone has this kind of disgusted look on their face, and Seth is a horrified look. Everyone's kind of like, what? Ray, what are you talking about? No, no, no. That's really what it is. The only way you can win the match is if you extract the other person's eye. That's literally what WWE's tweeted out. So now, so now horror so, show actually has meaning. They're they're doubling down on all this horror show stuff. It's not just gonna be Bray and 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 Braun out in a swamp, you know, trying to drink Bailey's from a shoe. It's actually gonna be Ray Mysterio trying to pull out Seth Rollins' eyeball and vice versa. What? So okay, time out, hold the horses, stop the merry-go-round. How are they gonna pull this off? Pardon the pun. Uh, I guess Ray Mysterio goes into, into, into torture porn, torture horror. I, don't, uh, I guess. We've been like watching Hostile too many times. Oh, yeah, with right. the, with the <laughs> <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. Okay, hold on. So I know we both know, we all know at this point that Ray is operating without a contract with WWE. He could be one step out the door. Allegedly, uh, he asked for a raise and Vince said no. So we don't know what his contract status is. Now, this is not the first time that this has happened with Ray Mysterio. But here we are. Ray could walk. Is he going to walk away after they kayfabe pull his eyeball out? <laughs> or, conversely, is Seth Rollins going to lose an eyeball and walk around looking like P- PCO here? Uh, with, Ky- with- Kyle with the $2 super chat says, Kevin looked at Ray like, what the hell is wrong with you? Everyone, yeah. Everyone Everybody. At Ray like, Even what? commentary was scrambling hey. to go, what, what is he, oh my God! What does he even mean by that? <laughs> As also uh, Esme, 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 fifty dollars, fifty dollars. You beautiful, beautiful woman, Esme. Thank you. Fifty dollars in the super chat, saying working late, so missing the show. But here's a tip: 
Change your socks frequently. That's her tip. That's her. That's solid tip. Very true. Or just Very don't quickly. wear socks. I'm I'm that's a no my, socks kind of guy. Yeah, I'm on the Matt Riddle train where yeah. I wear shoes as little as possible and socks the same Especially way. Especially last Esme, few months. Thank you so much, love. Good luck at work. Yeah. Uh, much love. <sighs> thank and you. When you listen to this later, just know we love you. Yes. Thank you. Um. So okay, eye for an eye. <laughs> I'm still trying to pick my job off the floor off, off, off about this because I'm not sure if this is mm, fun, insane entertainment or if this is just dumb. Might be the both. Might be both. Where let's say you pull someone's eye out. Now, either you could have Ray go away and that's that. And he's already got the kind of one-eyed masks going. So maybe they pull out that eye. He just keeps wearing a one-eyed mask like a, for the rest of his career in WWE if he sticks around or just leaves and we never have to worry about it again. Or conversely, Seth wears an eye patch or a contact in one eye. And he's kind of like Thor in the Marvel movies where like one eye is always kind of goofy. You know what I mean? Because he loses the eye. and Dude, he could totally pull off a solid snake look right now. But for how long? Like, we did it for a little bit in AEW, right, where you had Moxley with, with, and, yeah, and, Mox. and and Santana had an eye-for-an-eye eye match where, like, they damaged the eyeballs, but they weren't losing an eye, right? Ray says, this I'm was, literally going to take one of your eyeballs out. Take your eyeball out. And WWE's saying it's, the match is over when you pluck the eyeball, when you remove the eyeball. This isn't like poking the eye, you know, the little thumb to the eye, and that's the end of the match. This, they're talking about removing the eye. What? I've done entirely too much gagging this show. Just between you talking about licking taint at the beginning and talking about plucking eyeballs out now, just good lord. As oh. long as you just don't, yeah, just don't think about them at the same time. Like you know, no, like keep, like keep, a, a tent of taint on the the, the 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 eyeball dangling, and it's just like that's just dirty. The pink eye uh, right there. <laughs> Quick way to get some pink dangly eyes. Anyway, so okay, we gotta we gotta move on from this. But just what? How are they? going to get around this in kayfabe if either of these guys sticks around in wwe how can you have a match where someone loses an eye and continue this in kayfabe for all time for all time you guys y'all gotta live with this i mean you could go to a slaughterhouse and get a cow eye and get it in a little jar or a ziploc bag and they could gimmick that I'm not saying mechanically how do you do it in the match. Obviously, there's a lot of gimmick stuff you can do. Yeah. I'm saying how do you deal with this storyline-wise afterwards where Seth lost a damn eye? He ain't going to wear an eye patch for the rest of his career. No. No. I, I don't think so. We just one day he has an eyeball. He's like, oh, yeah, it's a fake eyeball. And we never speak about this again? No, it's, he, he could just, pull, totally pull a Thor. Spoiler alert. And that's give, what I just said. Give him a glass eye. Yeah, and yeah. you can just say, oh, yeah, no, it's a glass. For the rest of his career, be like, yeah, yeah, it's a glass eye. Oh, yeah. That's stupid. It is. It's incredibly stupid. Like, <laughs> who thought this would be a good idea? Uh, Pritchard and Vince, apparently, yeah. among other people, whoever else vetted it, whoever else said, "Let's, we're doing this. Oh, that's good. That is good. Kyle with the $2 super chat says, pull a Vader and pop it back in afterwards. That's yeah. That's really the only way they can do it is have a gimmick where you actually see the eyeball hanging out, and then he just puts it back in. You know, I wonder. I wonder if they could do it on a Stan Hansen lariat move. That would be like what a what a great homage that would be. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. 
If Kevin Owens pulls a Vader bomb in this match, we'll know that's what they're thinking. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also on the show, speaking of big burly dudes doing big burly things, Bobby Lashley and MVP debuted the new U.S. title. Uh, they came out, MVP saying, hey man, I beat Apollo in a non-title match, therefore I'm kind of the uncrowned U.S. champion. It's time we had an update on that U.S. title, so I had a new one made, and when I beat Apollo Crews at Extreme Rules, I will be the, th- the U.S. champion for the third time. Meanwhile, Lashley standing right next to him like, yeah, that's right. And I'm sitting there going, why isn't Lashley going for this? Why is it MVP? Luckily, I got to say, Nick, I feel like they explained that to my satisfaction with how they're with how they're with how they're handling MVP and Lashley. Before I go on to my own little, you know, dialogue here, I want to say Will May with 20 bucks in the super chat. Thank you very much, Will. Brother. Says wrestling has been stale for me lately, but you guys make me remember the things I really enjoy about it. Shots on me. Mm. Shot, 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 shot. If I if I weren't if I weren't strapped into my computer here, I'm about like five feet away. I'm like, I'm trying to use my force powers to I'll get it soon. I feel uh, like this is much, the Will. eating cr- uh, Nick eats crow episode of Busted Wide Open because I said what I said earlier about Bailey. Yes, come around. Uh, I remember being a what when it leaked that MVP was going to be coming back for Royal Rumble. Yeah, and I've kind of been wishy-washy on, eh, is this really working or not? Kind of, what are they going to end up doing with him? I mean, MVP might be one of the all-stars of Monday Night Raw right now. No, 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 not might, not might be. Like he, he 100% carrying is. stuff. He's holy crap. Like to a not a Paul Heyman level. Paul Heyman's kind of fallen off and is just doing like the Brock speech for the last few yeah. years. But he's making every segment that he's in mean something. And he's making guys that don't mean anything mean something. He's making Apollo seem like a champion that we want to believe in who's being hassled by a a scumbag that we want to see beaten. He's making Lashley look like an unstoppable monster. He even made Cedric Alexander look sympathetic on this show and he made Ricochet look like a bigger deal than Cedric, which puts Ricochet over. That's four dudes. And in the meantime, he's making himself look good, too, because as the commentary was putting over, they're playing it like MVP is this mastermind, where he's masterminding a way to get all of these things done, a way to get himself to beat Apollo, a way to make Lashley look like a big deal, a way to trick Lashley into being his muscle without actually Lashley getting anything out of it aside from working for MVP. It's made it feel like he's manipulating Lashley. It makes it feel like he's manipulating Apollo. He's manipulating, he's trying to manipulate Cedric, and he may actually be. It's MVP is the MVP of Raw right now. And this whole mid-card division, which Bruce Mitchell pointed out that um, it was like, he was like, it's kind of like they they stuffed all the black guys down into one division um, to keep them from being in the top title division. And I'm sitting here going, this is one of the best stories on Monday Night Raw. I don't care who's involved in it. It's making all of them look good. Yeah. Even though it's 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 in the mid-card, it's one of your top titles. And it's making all of these guys relevant. So, Bruce, stop complaining and just enjoy the fact all these dudes are on TV and doing something interesting. Yes. 
And he's out there beating Ricochet and Cedric Alexander in his suit. In a suit. And that was great, too, because it seemed like he was, he was out there just to basically, again, manipulating the match to, to, to be in there as much as possible to allow Lashley then to come in and finish them off, yeah. which he did. Because uh, we've shown that Lashley can beat both these guys. Okay, we're not going to get into how we feel about Ricochet and Cedric kind of being pushed down a little bit in terms of importance. Um, that's how we, we've established what Lashley is. We've established what they are. Okay. And we even had a bit later on when MVP goes to Cedric and says, why don't you come work for me and stop being in Ricochet's shadow? And Cedric goes, how am I in Ricochet's shadow? And MVP goes, you got a 365 special made, after, made about you? No. Hang out with MVP. Big things could happen. So I was sitting there going, I, I don't know if I could resist not joining, looking, seeing at how Cedric's been treated. So, yeah. uh, Kyle, 20 bucks in the super chat. Thank oh, you so thank much, you, dude. brother. Damn, thank dude. you, guys. You guys are, you guys are killing thank it today. Uh, well, he said he was extremely sensitive over this title change because it's a, a wrestling with the old belt. Uh, but the new belt really looks great. Like, I can see that U.S. title be a world title for a military wrestling promotion. Yeah, let's talk about the title real quick. Good call, yeah. Kyle. Uh, let's talk I was going to get to that, but uh, yeah, let's just go. I was too busy, you know, yeah, I was too busy selling over for, MVP. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Both and, of us. And the booking in this division, which on the on paper seems very straightforward, but MVP is just is elevating everything. So um, the new title, or as I like to, as I like to call it, the, uh, the Hall of Justice Judge Dread title. Meanwhile. Kind of what, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm like... Like I am the law. Oh, jet. Oh, dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not Sylvester Stallone either. Like the the Carl Urban Judge Dread. Yeah. Like the comic book Judge Dread is what it kind of looks like. Um, yeah, it looks nice. And it's funny. I didn't realize. I, I at first I was kind of like, okay, it's not bad. And then I saw it against the old U.S. title, and I was like, yeah, it does kind of look actually a little bit more. It pops more than the old one. Not that the old one's bad. It's just this one does pop more. Yep. But then I saw a mock up of it where the top kind of quadrants where the stars are was painted navy. Like mm. the, the background of stars was painted navy, and that looked even better. And now I can't unsee that. So, yes, I think it looks very nice. At an angle, you can actually see a little bit more of the beveling, and it, it actually really looks nice from the side. It pops a lot on TV. But, man, once I saw that navy, I couldn't unsee it, and it, it, that does look better. So now, <laughs> like every time I see it, I'm like, well, it should be navy up there. But yeah, the the good. old U.S. title definitely has a, a very big place in my heart. Between, between what Cena did with it, with the Open Challenge, uh, all of the battles with Rusev, uh, I love the look. Of, it's it's very USA. It's very yeah. it's very it's a America title. But this one with like the gold chevron and just it, like it it just makes it look like it's important and it gives it some stature, whereas the other one was mostly red and blue without a lot of white pop kind of to it. Yeah, it was a This flat. one is it's like <laughs> gold. Like, you can't yeah. not see this thing, right? Yeah. So Will I, James. I, Will James in the Super Chat. Uh, $20 again. God, you, guys, awesome. you guys are spoiling us today. What's going on? Uh, I love you. Uh, Thank you. Says, he says, I also like the old title, but the new title ain't bad. Reminds me of a World Series ring or something. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty cool design, and I gotta say, man, they 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 introduced that new Intercontinental title, which just looks like nothing. I would love it if they did something like this to the Intercontinental title. Yeah, um, have like the world in this kind of bass relief, like they have on this. So, yeah, I this is definitely as far as title reveals go. It's on the it's on the 
top side. Definitely yeah. dig it. So, yeah. Um, all right. One quick last thing about MVP. He's facing Apollo at Extreme Rules. Uh, based on what we're seeing, should MVP take it or is Lashley inevitable like Thanos at this point where he's got to be the guy who ultimately gets this, this U.S. title? I think it needs to be Lashley. I think MVP getting it might make it a little silly. Even though, yeah. even though he's doing all of this amazing work, I still want him to be an advocate. I don't yes. want him to be working. Yes. Every now and then in an exhibition, Lashley needs a tag partner. Fine, I get it. But I want to see Dick Heel in a suit advocate MVP. <laughs> who Listen, he doesn't need to do the in-ring work. Lashley needs a mouthpiece. Yes. And that is the role that he should, again, keep building this faction, keep doing all the little side back alley talks with the different superstars to try Absolutely. to recruit them. Yes, all of that. The in-ring stuff, it doesn't, he is, doesn't need to be that. This is how to use a legacy star or an older star. This is how to use them to put over new guys. Have them. This is almost like a, a, a New Japan dad or something like that. Like they don't even have anything like this in AEW, where it's strictly like managers. Maybe a, maybe a Matt Hardy with Private Party kind of, where you've got MVP here, and he's just in the mix of these couple of different feuds. And this, you know, there's one major central feud, and then little things going on around it. But he is the fulcrum that's turning everything around. He doesn't win matches. You know, he only won the one against Apollo because Lashley interfered. But aside from that, he's been shown as being somewhat underpowered to the younger guys. Yeah. Right? One-on-one -on -one against Ricochet, he'd lose. Yeah. One-on-one -on -one against Cedric, he'd lose. That's the perception we're being given. And that's the correct thing to do is say, no, no, no. His days of being a top wrestler are behind him, but it's his mind that's keeping him in the game. He can still go in and wrestle. But that's, that's how you put over the new guys. That's how you utilize an old guy, an older guy, uh, in these kinds of feuds. So all and, around, compliments. And I love that it's being done around the U.S. Championship, especially with MVP's legacy with the U.S. title. So I just, he, he's went one of the, as he said it on the show, one of the greatest U.S. title, U.S. champions of all time. So That, that might be a little bit of an overstatement, but it's, well, I, it's, I'll, I'll go with it. I'll, yeah. We'll go with it. We'll go with it. Yeah. We'll go for the sake of kayfabe. Now, that being said, Older superstars that are working with younger guys, and it's a little more hit or miss to me. Big Show and Randy Orton. Obviously, they're having a feud because Randy did did Edge and Christian dirty, and Big Show's now mad about that. He's a big, angry giant. And this week, we had a six-man tag match. Big Show and the Viking Raiders versus Andrade, Angel Garza, and Randy Orton. And this was really... The dynamics they set up for this were really interesting. You had Big Show back there with the Viking Raiders in the back, the Viking Raiders were goofing off and making, you know, joking around about their bowling and how they beat the Street Profits of bowling. Big Show, seri he, he seriouses them up by slapping them hard on the chest, which was mwah, beautiful. No, Siri, I'm not talking to you. He seriouses, Siri, not, he was making them serious. iPhones, I tell you. He was making them be serious by slapping them on the chest, which got them mad and ready for the match. And that was a nice little touch. And then you have Randy Orton in the back who pulls alpha dog status on Garza and Andrade who are still not on the same page. Uh, and they're talking to Ric Flair in the back. I don't know what the heck Ric Flair is still doing at Raw when you have 30 to 40 employees allegedly coming down with COVID. But okay, let's take a chance with Z the Z 800 life. grand worth of debt again? <laughs> <sighs> who knows? He, wants to, he just wants to be there. I, so, yeah, that's probably what it is. 
Uh, and who's, are you going to tell Ric Flair no? What's he going to do, um, sit at home, make some more rap videos? I mean, I would, but I mean, yeah, it's Ric Flair. It's Ric Flair. Yeah. Um, so here we have Big Show looking like he's taking things more seriously than Viking Raiders. You have Randy, who is looking like he's uh, big-shotting, to use his own words, uh, Garza and Andrade. And then when it gets to the ring, the whole thing is just really about Big Show and Randy and the Viking Raiders and Garza and Andrade are the ones kind of jumping around. And it's like it's like, the you know, you go to Vegas and you watch a show with magicians and you got the magicians, the centerpiece, and he has like one trick. And then you have all the dancing girls come in and do all this like rah, rah around him. Well, now you got Andrade, Garza and the Viking Raiders, the dancing girls. And the focus of the show is Big Show and Randy Orton. Ah. Uh. Did you feel differently about this? Did you did you enjoy this segment? No. Oh. Okay, so why didn't you enjoy it? Because I feel like you've been doing nothing but building Garza and Andrade and Zelina Vega really well and the inner turmoils and all of that kind of stuff. And you've been building the Viking Raiders with Street Profits in a different kind of way, but it, we all came around on the whatever you can do, I can do better sort of thing. And then you're just going to come in and just squash all of that like a bug. And no, no, Bruce Pritchard, Randy Orton, and Big Show. No, they're, they're, they're the important ones. No, no, don't mind all that stuff we've been doing the last few weeks. Randy Orton, Big Show, yeah. So and, it's and the tag division. Uh, I just, it left us, listen, it wasn't not fun. I did not enjoy it. But the whole time I had a sour taste in my mouth, like, uh, let the new guys <laughs> have a shot. Like, just yeah. come on. And even down to in the middle of the match, you know, Garza is kind of messing around and mocking the Viking Raiders at one point where he's got the advantage. And Randy calls him out of the ring, calls him out of the ring, and chokes him out against the plexiglass, pushes him against the plexiglass, chokes him out and says, get your head in the game or I'll kick your ass. He's big leaguing. He's big leaguing. That's what I'm looking for. He's big leaguing Angel Garza. And if you know what, uh, what happens when Randy Orton's accusing someone of, of big leaguing, uh, I, if I were Angel Garza, I'd wash his neck yep. after Randy grabbed him. Yep. Um, that being said, it made Randy seem like a big deal. It made him seem scary. Uh, and the fact that he essentially waited until Big Show was distracted enough to try to get an RKO off on him, and Big Show was able to push him off and you know narrowly escape it. And then at the end of the match, Orton sneaks in and gets an RKO on, uh, on Eric of the Viking Raiders for the 1-2-3 and gets away with the win. Um, it, 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 that story is interesting. The story between Big Show and Randy is interesting because Randy's, he's invested. And having the dynamics between all these different players is interesting. I'm not, that, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that, but at the expense of the other ex guys? At the expense of their seeming legitimacy. Yeah. Right? Next yeah. to, it makes, it makes them feel like next to Big Show and Orton, they're not as much of a big deal. Uh, it makes them not feel like stars. And right now, and this is always the case with WWE, we say you got to be building your future stars. Yeah. And you're not, you're not building future stars with the way that you're portraying everyone around Big Show and, and Randy here. It makes yeah. Big Show and Randy seem like the show, pardon the pun, and you've only got so much longer with Big Show for that, and you've only got so much longer with Randy Orton for that. At some point, you got to let these other guys shine. Hmm. And Start, that was starting to not sound like me with the four horsewomen of NXT. 
Yeah, Kyle well, had they, another $5 is, in the oh, Super son Chat. Of a bitch. Son of a bitch. Garza, for the first time, needed to remove his pants after Orton and wish he wore brown. Also, True. Big Show slapping the war machine into the Raiders. Love it. Well said. I, I, I admit, I laughed at that. I, yeah. I, I didn't, in, in hindsight, I was like, whoa, come on. But at the time, I was like, that was funny. The, the way they stole that was pretty damn funny. Um, what should we call? I mean, do you think that Randy and Angel Garza and Andrade are going to stick around together? Zelina seemed to like it. You know, it's kind of reminiscent of FTRKO. Like, should this remain a faction? Did it seem like they were building up a story here? I feel like they had something going with them already, and we've sidelined that now for this. And that was the sour taste. I was like, no more. We didn't have any more of the infighting. Now it's not Andrade lecturing Garza and them at each other. It's now Randy Orton's lecturing Garza. Why are we? I just feel confused now. Yeah. I. What should we? They do stay a faction, and Randy's able to get the two of them working on the same page. What should we call the faction? I mean, I still want it to be Lij. I still want the 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 re, the second coming of La Sombra. So <laughs> Las Las Viboras. Ooh, ooh. Uh, oh, uh, Tranquilar KO. Oh God. What? No. Oh, that's good. No. Come on. Um, also, right. for some reason, Randy helped our truth backstage. Our truth shows up, confuses Ric Flair for Akira Tozawa, and then runs away. And then Tozawa and all his ninjas show up. And Randy sends them off another way. Akira, by the way, selling Randy like he's like he's Jesus, like he's just kind of like like he's Vince McMahon. He's just like kind of, kind of gets all quiet. He's like, "Oh yes, sir. Sorry, I didn't mean to bother you, sir." And then Randy sends him off the wrong direction. It was kind of an odd little segment. Didn't know yeah. what to make of that. Yeah. But uh, finally, Billy Kay had a match with Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot once again getting up in the Mean Girls' face and talking a big game, and then getting taken out by Billy's less than stellar finishing move. Um, her turnbuckle eat defeat before that was actually much more impressive than her kind of weird attempt at a powerbomb. Um, but it's hard to follow up Peyton Royce's absolutely sick finisher from last week. Yeah, that, that twisting brain buster thing she does is, I, is I still go back and watch the gif nasty. of that and it's just like, good lord. Ruby Riot though, they're, they're making it pretty obvious. They're, they're saying Ruby has no friends, Liv's not returning her calls. We're, it looks like we're heading towards Iconics versus a reformed Riot squad. Is that the right direction to go? Is it a good idea to have a women's tag team mid-card, for lack of a better description? No. 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 What? No. It's what? It, that's not what I thought you were going to say. No. Well, explain yourself. <laughs> What's the Michael, Michael Scott? Just, no. Just God, what? please, no. Why no? But we have had our eyes on Ruby Riot since she was feuding with Asuka and Nikki Cross for the NXT Women's Championship three years ago. And we've been saying, Ember Moon got hurt, with apologies to Ember, but we've been saying that Ruby and Ember were waiting in the wings until the time was right. Ruby went out and had double shoulder surgery during this time, and we thought, oh man, when she comes back, little finger wag, when she comes back, and and here we are, the, the best thing we can do is try to somehow save Liv Morgan from her lesbian or bi dominatrix thing with Lana by pairing her back up with Ruby Riot after we destroy Ruby Riot and ter- bury her to the point that she has to recruit Liv back to the Riot squad. So, why is Ruby Riot not competing for one of the top titles or at least contending for it? Like I because d- all the top titles are being like it's a very very thick top of the card right now in the women's division. Bailey and, and Sasha not- has everything, and, and Oscar. Oscar. 
and Asuka, and you've got Io Shirai down in NXT. Uh, you've all, but you've also got uh, you've got Nikki and um, and Alexa, Alexa also involved in as well. So you've got six women involved in the title picture right now, just on this brand. You've got a bunch of other women all over on SmackDown that I would say are in higher in line than Liv and uh, and Ruby. So the best thing that could happen for Liv and Ruby is to reform their tag team and at least be doing something. Because at yeah. some point, they might get a shot at the tag titles. And one start to that is them in the story, with this story in the Iconics. Start the mid-card, build it up, get to the higher card. Let's face it. Ruby, much like Shayna Baszler, is not Vince's quote-unquote cup of tea in terms of what checks his boxes. Right. So yeah. the only way you're going to see her get any kind of momentum is if she's with a hot blonde. Look at Nikki Cross. If she hadn't been stuck in this thing with Alexa, who knows where she'd be now? Probably doing a very similar thing to Ruby right now. So I'm willing to let this play out and see where this is going. Sure. Nick, on the, on the way out of Raw, can we say, like, should we commend the number of moving parts they have on this show and, and most of the main story elements? Because it keeps a lot of these segments unpredictable, energetic, entertaining. Like, they're, they're getting a lot of people on TV... They're giving them all something to do. For the most part, I would argue they're making people look good. No one's really looking like an idiot right now in terms of how they're being portrayed. Like, even if you're losing matches, you don't go out looking like a fool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Cedric got, got beat by Lashley and then crushed in a, in, a, in a full Nelson. But it's Lashley. He's being built to be a monster, and they held up for a while in that match. Um, Kyrie looked good. Oscar looked good. Bailey looked good. Everyone except the only person who didn't look good is Heath Slater, and he's on the way out the door. I thought he looked fantastic. I mean, physically, I'm turning in terms of like and his promo. match. He got crushed, but he that got crushed. That was a resume building event. Okay, well, absolutely agree. was. Uh, the Disagree other thing I want to say, uh, and and Kyle, thank you in, in the chat. Thank you for the reminder. If you have not watched Raw Talk, yes, please thank do. You. Uh, because speaking, I know we're in a hurry to get out of Raw here, so we got a lot to talk about with New Japan. But uh, that promo by Ruby Riot, mwah, mwah. It's it's up there. It's not quite Miz talking smack caliber, but it's no. It's what is though? It's good. It's really it's real really good. good. And it's she drops good. a couple of little hint bombs in there too. Yeah. So yeah, make sure you go and do that. Well, there you go, guys. There's Raw. I think we got one more show, one more week's worth of shows beyond smackdown this week before we get to extreme rules horror show horror show extreme the rules, horror, horror show out extreme rules horror extreme show. horror rule show show of horror with rules that are extreme uh uh yeah it, so we'll we'll break down the matches and everything like that next week once we get through smackdown and we see what the actual go home shows and the card is finally solidifying up to be but ian i can't wait any longer <laughs> Uh, I cannot, ab absolutely cannot wait anymore. We have to go over and talk about what things have what things have transpired over in New Japan. Nick is so excited; he's stumbling over himself, and I can't blame him because New Japan Cup. Oh, we've had so much since we last talked about it, Nick. So much has happened. We had four shows. Four shows from New Japan for the New Japan Cup all the way up to the semifinals. We now know who will be facing off in the finals of the New Japan Cup the night before Dominion. And whoever wins that goes on to face double champ, intercontinental and heavyweight champion Tetsuya Naito at Dominion. And I got to say, I was half right about who was going to be in the finals. Yep. But damn, I didn't see the other one coming. Um, 
Nick, you and I both were pretty much right on A block and B block. I was right until the the quarterfinals, and then <laughs> oh boy, no idea. The semi, excuse me, I was right till the semifinals, and then just um, oh, did the, not the, see that one the, coming. Yeah, I mean, the only one that I lucked out on was Tai Chi going over Tanahashi, but yes. everything else was pretty much just nope. But you didn't see Tai Chi beating Ibushi, who did? Which happened? Who um, did? I don't know. That happened on July first. On July t- on June twenty fourth. Before that. Okada beat Nagata. Makabe lost to Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi finally, well, he didn't fully exorcise his demons, but he did beat Toru Yano and didn't lose that much more of his hair to the, uh, the to, to Yano, who's now has has remembered that he loves shaving Hiromu's head. Um, and and Ishimori beat Kanemaru. Uh, July first, as we said, Taichi. Taichi beat Ibushi, and Taichi was one of the surprises in the New Japan Cup, how far he got. Uh, Sho lost to Sonata. Goto lost to Evil, which was kind of surprising, and that was a pretty cool match. Um, and Yoshihashi, kind of not surprisingly, lost to Bushi. Uh, uh, excuse me, no, he beat Bushi. Yoshihashi beat Bushi, which I don't right. think was surprising, but uh, Bushi did take out Yoshihashi's leg, which came back to bite him on July 2nd when... Evil and Yoshihashi didn't even have a match. Evil just came out and destroyed Yoshihashi's leg, just tore his leg off, um, which is probably one of the most entertained I was in the entire New Japan Cup. Is just because everyone knows I'm not a big Yoshihashi fan. He bores me to tears. So having Evil just destroy his leg and not even have really have a match was freaking hilarious to me. Um, you also had Hiromu Takahashi and Tomohiro Ishii having probably the best match of the New Japan Cup. If you're going to it's watch really one match... really close between that and the Okada match. Uh, agreed. You know. Takahashi definitely had a, a lights-out New Japan Cup. I know he was your call to win it all. He did beat Ishii, which is a big deal because Ishii is a heavyweight, uh, and Takahashi is the junior heavyweight champion. So that was a big deal, a big match. The, I think the best match of the tournament, July yep. 2nd, if you want to check that one out. Um, Okada beat Taiji Ishimori in a very strange match because... That was definitely kind of an, an odd pairing. Um, Ishi, Ishimori, one of the smaller juniors, so it was from the get-go kind of, it seemed like a David and Goliath kind of match. Um, and then Sonata finally put away Taichi, for which I will always be grateful. Finally put away that son of a bitch. And then July 3rd happened, Nick. Okada versus Hiromo Takahashi. Uh, dream match. And that's probably the second best match of the whole tournament. And this is, this is what we said it was going to come down to. You said Hiroma was taking this. I said Okada. Okada was the winner of this and is going on to the finals. Over in B block, however, the semifinals, Evil versus Sonata. Sonata being my call to go face Okada and continue their rivalry. Uh, both of them, Los Ingobernables. So that was a, a nice sort of former tag team inside. partners, you know, former multiple-time tag champions. Yeah, lots lots of history. And the way this match started with them going for the handshake, and then Evil just right off. You find out Evil. Nope, Evil isn't gonna do whatever he can. He's gonna do Sonata dirty any way he can. This match, and he did. Evil was pulling out all the stops, chair shots, low blows, and ultimately in the biggest upset of the tournament besides Taichi Ibushi, Evil. Beats Sonata to face uh, Okada in the finals. My mind explode, Nick. 
that whole right you, side, that whole B block, that whole right side of the bracket. Was, I yeah. just halfway through it, I was just like, "It's for all yeah, right." The, we're yep. All right, I'm done. The B stood for <laughs> bracket busting yep. bullshit. Is what the, the B block stood for. <laughs> Figure out what that is. Okay, do the the whole the whole what you doodle. We are back. We're back. We're back. Yeah. So wherever you were saying Sorry the whole that. what. The whole issue I have here is evil versus Okada. The whole time, Sonata has been built up as like the good guy of the two of them. Obviously, evil's named evil for a damn reason. But he's also been kind of put forward as being the better wrestler, uh, the guy who's more likely in line to get a title shot at some point. Uh, he's had a long-standing feud with Okada. There was more of a story between him and Okada. It seemed to make more sense. I had Sonata winning the whole thing, so obviously I'm biased. Evil Okada, is that an exciting final to you? I'm I'm not only because listen, only if Evil goes out and does what he's done throughout the entire B block to get to the final, and that's basically destroy everybody. If Evil comes out and dare I say embarrasses Okada, and we end up with LIJ versus LIJ Evil who seemingly has turned on his faction brothers at this point, and He's we have that at Dominion with him and Naito for both belts. Yeah. You kind of have my attention, but I don't think it's going to be the case. It's We've had LIJ versus LIJ before. They've shown that they're resilient to that. Um, they've shown that they're fine with, with, with inner faction competition, and Naito's even said, hey, if it's evil, no matter what, the belts are staying within LIJ, so I don't care is basically how he's put it. So they've already kind of taken that aspect out of it. Um, but for not only that, you know, that's just more interesting uh, than having an Okada-Naito rematch already. Like, it, it's too soon for Okada-Naito yeah. again. Yeah. Like, that's not an interesting rematch at this point. We don't want Naito to have to face Okada again. And God forbid he loses to Okada. Can you imagine that? You put the belts right back on Okada, and Naito's basically been a lame duck champ because he hasn't been able to to defend his titles at all. We haven't really had it. We haven't quarantine. had it in anything since new to, new beginnings, have we? Right Nothing. after Wrestle Kingdom. Nothing. He, yeah. he was supposed to he was supposed to have a non-title match against Hiromu, and that's why I know you wanted to see Hiromu versus Naito is is yeah. kind of a gimme for that. But yeah, if you have Okada Naito, what are you gonna do? You have Naito evil, you can have Naito beat evil, and then evil has learned his place in LIJ. Fine. Or what it's Kyle not- says, I like Kyle booking in the chat, by the way. Uh, uh, evil betrays Naito and LIJ, maybe joins Gato and Jay White and Kenta in Bullet Club and you know takes both titles over there. That That's a lot more interesting than Okada Naito all over again or Okada and two belts all over again. Agreed, and it's likely because Gato has been messing with Okada this entire tournament, including during the match that they actually had. So we've established that Gato has been lurking. So if Gato does come in and help Evil, Evil win this, that's a great storyline. You just got a year's worth of booking right there based on that. If it's just straight up Okada beats Naito or Okada faces Naito, that's Listen, a that's a big dropped ball. If you had Taichi beat Kota Ibushi <laughs> just to put the belts back on Okada, 
like you're investing in something here. That's what yeah. I read into this. And maybe it's re- tinfoil hat reading into stuff too much. But you're willing to take those kinds of matches and those kinds of upsets to invest in evil getting all the way to the final. And if you don't pay that off, what the hell was the point? What was what was this all for? Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely we're gonna we're walking a tightrope here, Gato, <laughs> Mr. Booker Man. We got four days, guys. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, don't do us dirty. Uh, the secondary feuds, let's talk about those that were built okay. up through this as well. Ibushi and Tanahashi, part of the whole reason why we had uh, Zach and Taichi beating uh, beating them up in the tag matches, and then, of course, Taichi running through both Tanahashi and Ibushi was to promote the tag match, Tan- Tanahashi and Ibushi being the tag champs. They're now going to be facing Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. at Dominion, so that got built up. We've also got what basically the second half of the cup, anytime that there was a, a tag match, it was LIJ versus some variation of uh, chaos or yeah. just the good guys with show being there. Show um, is facing Shingo at Dominion for the never title. Um, and it, that to me, that one kind of got ground into the dirt. Whereas I, I, I like, I get it. I, I get it. Shingo keeps challenging show it, it. They're spinning their wheels on that one. Whereas I feel like the Ibushi Tanahashi one, with the amount of damage that Taichi and Zach have, have inflicted to Tanahashi's knee, and with how pissed off they've made Kota Ibushi, I, I've got to say that one's a hot feud. That one I feel they've built up nicely. But they should have spent uh, more time on it and less time on Sho and Shingo, which got a lot of time it didn't need. I am very interested to see if we get an Ibushi Taichi sort of program out of that, uh, that match. That'll be an interesting one for, for me like a, to see. It's a step down for Ibushi, but it could be a big deal for Taichi if yeah. they do that. Yeah. Um, I think even let, you said he uh, end of last year or something like that. He's primed for for a run. Taichi, I feel like you you feel like you said that somewhere. He's uh, definitely being powered up. They're powering him up yeah. more in matches. Where they're they're making him look like more of a genuine threat beyond just being a cheater. Uh, they're making him right. look like he can actually run a match. So maybe it was out of the G one last year or something. I can't remember yeah. what it was. It's going to be a very interesting G one when it comes to these guys this year. Like you, yeah, you and could, Hiromu you going up against the heavyweights. Is, are we going to see a run from Hiromu in the G one this year? That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be very cool. He's back. Let's let him work. I know he wants yep. to work. Um, finally, Hirai Kawato returns from uh, excursion as Master Wato in what I can only describe as one of the most underwhelming returns I've ever seen in New Japan. Uh, if, you, if, <laughs> if you didn't see this, uh, the, entire, the entire cup, they were running this promo of like a bamboo forest and uh, what <laughs> kind of looked like Ip Man, you know, fighting in the trees. Like all you're seeing with like legs and some punches get thrown. <laughs> and it was called Way, Way to the Grandmaster. And so the last night, the Grandmaster shows himself and it turns out that he's Master Watto, who I can only look, I can only describe as looking like a 16-year-old who who drank too much milk, uh, and dyed his hair blue, and watched a couple of like fake kung fu videos on YouTube. And he comes out to the ring and tries to act all serious like he's a kung fu master, and then gets beaten up by Doki. Which has got to be the most ignominious way to go out on your re-debut. Like, Okada's re-debut was bad. This was way worse. Like, this was just, oh, oh, it was embarrassingly bad. Um, the, the gimmick looked terrible. He, he didn't look convincing. And he got beat up by Doki. 
So, oh my God. <laughs> oh, this, <laughs> this was bad. I, uh, and I, I don't know if it was intentionally bad or not. That's how, that's how bad it was where I'm like, is this, are they, are they actually taking the piss here? Like, are they, are they, are they ribbing us all? I couldn't tell Nick. I yeah. couldn't tell. Yeah. But it was bad. Uh, just to wrap up new Japan here, yo and Yoshihashi both out with legit knee injuries. Uh, that's why they wrote Yoshihashi out the way that they did. And yo went out early in the tournament. Uh, are we going to miss him? Who's going to take pinfalls now? Oh! oh, Jesus Christ. God damn. Oh, well, that is new Japan. <laughs> hey, before, before we get out of here, we have to, we have to make a, so we've made our picks. Are you sticking with Okada over evil? No, to face I want Naito evil. at, uh, now I want I, evil. To, I want evil to upset. I want Kyle booking evil defect. Go to bullet club. That's the, that's yes. the most exciting outcome. That's otherwise like you're going to have to, they're going to have to do something. Or um, does Suzuki goon need a new leader? Oh no! I, I see Bullet Club over Suzuki Gun. Okay. We okay. thought Minoru was on his way out. Now he seems like he's sticking around. So. Yeah, that's true. That's they true. signed yeah, him. I, I, they I'm picking Evil around. purely on the aspect that all of this was worthless yeah. if you don't have some kind of LAG, LIJ breakup uh, coming off the back of, a, of an breakup, just some sort of tension in LIJ. Yeah, something that's just make it more tense. Maybe he have, and Naito are fighting for power for leadership have of the evil group. Be have Evil just be evil. Yeah. Right? Have it be evil to Naito. No kata. No kata. No kata. Hashtag <laughs> no kata. And that's New Japan. Oh, well, thank you very much. And uh, guys, we're going to wrap things up as we always do with our moment of positivity. Mop. The mop, the moment of positivity. That's right. It's the time in the show where we say something nice. We leave you on a positive note. We give you something to think about that it gives you a smile. Tell you, tell you what we had the fuzzies from this week, Nick. The 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 moment, the 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 philosophical consideration, whatever it was this week that that made us feel happy on the inside, and we can share that with everyone so that this show isn't just all about griping and bitching and moaning about the graphs, but it's actually, we're looking at something constructive and positive on the way out of here. What was your moment of positivity for this week, sir? And you can, have, you've actually got, you got a little bit more room than I do because I did my mop on Saturday with JB, so you got two shows worth of mop to get through. Well, I'm going to tell a little story here. It's going to be a quick one right? <laughs> it, from, in Nick perspective. It's not going to be a Matt Riddle story? No. You weren't dancing it, with bears with your, with your tittles out? No, no, no. Okay. It, it, was, it was nearly midnight on Saturday night. I had just gotten back the night before and we had had a big 4th of July. I had tucked the lady in bed and I was sitting down to edit the shows that Sir Ian Dangerous and JB had recorded on Saturday. And I literally sent Ian the text, I can't stop smiling. This is so fun being outside the box listening from the bleachers. You guys killed it. Oh, dude. It was, I, I can't express to you, we've, I actually went up and did the math. We've done 318 episodes. Yeah. And I can't tell you, um, there's been only one or two other times where I've been able to like, it's almost an existential kind of, like I'm, I'm outside of my body listening into our show. <laughs> there's only been a couple of times. 
and having edited over 300 episodes of this show, it's always kind of a new perspective. And just hearing you guys have fun. I know you're you're getting to record locally again, so I had a little bit of those feelings of the old Sherman Oaks place yeah. when we first got started, and a little bit of that was coming in, and things like that. But I just I had this feeling of oh, there's so much more we could do with JB. Yeah, and you guys killed it, and I absolutely want to invite JB to be a staple of the show at some point, and That's... all of those things. Uh, thank you, JB. Thank you. Yeah, that was I would, my absolute... I would obviously love to extend that invitation as well that's up to her and her timing she's a she's a yep. busy lady so that was uh, my moment of positivity that's it was saturday awesome, night man. editing Thank the you, show buddy. that you got both shows um one of them's up on youtube now the other one will be up there tonight the patron mailbag episode yeah um but both of them are on the podcast feed so you guys enjoy you guys both killed it Aww. also uh enjoy the new horn swoggle uh, bumper. Yes, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you for giving us the Hornswoggle. I appreciate it. And thank you to Hornswoggle for that. Yeah, thank you. To uh, thank you to Hornswoggle. And thank you to JB for for coming on the show and, and sitting in for Nick. And and I I guess thank you for helping me not suck, JB. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. It wasn't me. It was it was JB being that good at what she does. But uh, but yeah, and that's well. Thank you very much again, man. Um, I mine's going to be kind of underwhelming after that main event of Raw. That was lights out. Um, absolutely fantastic. I was hyped after that match. I was hyped. It yeah. was just so so much energy. Um, both women getting shots in, stiff as hell with Oscar throwing some serious strikes, almost <laughs> too much. Um, I would say she threw a potato, but that's that's like a mashed potato because that's what Bailey's face must have felt like after getting hit with that shot. Uh, that was an awesome main event, and I I that is why if. Nick, Lord knows we've seen more WWE than any human has any right to over the years. Um, and we've seen it be good. We've seen it be god-awful. And when it's good, uh, it's such a relief because, you know, when we do the show, like, there's times I've got stuff to do. I might, I might skip Raw, save it to the next day. This show keeps us on a schedule. I've got to yeah. watch Raw at a certain time. I've got to watch it. I can't skip it. If I have to watch it, that's the kind of match I want to see. I want to see something that's exciting, engaging. I care about the people. Um, everyone's being entertaining. It's good wrestling. It's a good yeah. story. Mwah. Well said. It's, it's a relief, and it's my moment of positivity. Oh, very nice. I, yes. I think I also finally found our, instead of us doing the mop, 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 mop thing, I think I finally found a little bumper stinger for us to introduce the moment of positivity, and that's JB going, moppity mop, mop, mop. <laughs> I can cut that little bit out. That was that I literally had to pause the edit when I was doing that and and just replay that three or four times. It's so good. Moppity mop a mop. <laughs> First time doing it, so it's so good. Thank you so much, JB. Uh, <laughs> guys, that's our show. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll see you guys this weekend. Obviously, we got AEW Dynamite and uh, NXT tomorrow night. A big night happening in NXT tomorrow night for sure. We've also got <laughs> night two of Fighter Fest, uh, week two, I should say, of Fighter Fest happening. Big, big Wednesday night tomorrow night on yeah, both shows. Huge. So make sure you're in our Discord. You can get uh, find links to that down in the description below or on our social media profiles. We will be in there for the live chats. Uh, thank you guys for always keeping it lively in there. Uh, and then Friday we got SmackDown, and then. 
Okada versus Evil in the oh, final man. New Japan uh, Cup. Uh, I guess technically Saturday morning, Friday night, uh, Saturday morning, Friday, depending yeah, on where you are. Yeah, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah, it'll be it'll be done uh, before our Saturday show, so we'll have all of that on Saturday. Building yeah. up for Dominion on Saturday night, so it's going to be a crazy end of the week. Our next our show on Saturday is going to be absolutely madness. So come tune in for it. It's going to be insane. <laughs> New Japan Cup final, Dominion, Extreme Rules next weekend. Lots of stuff going on, but you want to make sure you're in our Discord so you can keep up with all of this stuff. Indeed. Uh, again, make sure you're subscribed here at youtube.com slash open. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at BWO Podcast. And make sure you get into our Facebook discussion group. Like our page, send us a join request. And the good sheriff will get us in, or Andy and Lyle will get you into the group. Thank you guys so much for uh, for all of your contributions there. But my name is Nick Howell. You can fo- – oh, nope, nope, reset. I forgot something. Patrons. Uh-oh. Cannot you forget do? about you guys. Don't you forget about the patrons. Uh, I cannot – I'm sorry. Please, Don't just, I need ten lashes. Forget about <laughs> patrons. Don't oh. – Patreon.com slash BWO is where you can get access to some exclusives like bonus episodes, Skype calls every month with Nick and Surrey and Dangerous, all kinds of good stuff over there. Bonus episodes, patron pick'em's challenges for the big four pay-per-views, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, thank you to all of our patrons. Really appreciate it. Um, and it is the best way to support the show every single month. And we love you guys for it. We are on the race to 100 patrons, which means... Nick has to cook up something else because we did something for twenty, we did something for fifty. You gotta get like you gotta get Naya in the background there. You gotta pull her down a little bit, man. You can barely I'm see her. On. There, there's yeah, a whole yeah, design yeah, no. architectural diagram happening oh, right now for a whole Lord. new right. wide angle on the camera and oh, a backdrop that's being done right now. So stay tuned for oh, that. God, but I'm gonna ha- between we've done the Naya shrine, we've done the Naya ringtone. Now I gotta figure out what to do when we hit. A hundred. Got to bring it home. Got to do it big. Mm. Mm. There we go. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.